And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. One of the young leaders was talking to me about climate mental health. I said, tell me what's going on with your peers. Climate mental health. And she talked, I said, I think I understand that, but unpack it for me. They were talking about it in terms of their peers trying to figure out, you know, they're going to have to get a job and they're going to have to make a living, but what can they do and how can they adapt the education that they're having now to their activism? This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. StuDoesMerch.com. Use the promo code Stu10 and save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, you can like the video right now, subscribe to the channel, and hit the bell for notifications. Do all the things. Adam Gillette is here to talk about the CRT invasion of Texas schools. Uh, and some uh, pretty amazing uh, undercover video there. I've got another video that perfectly encapsulates the liberal worldview. But we start by doing International Women's Day. Congratulations, women. You did it. You had your own day. Now, I will, of course, admit that actually International Women's Day was yesterday. And in some ways, we're as far away from another International Women's Day as we can possibly be. And that's a really sad thing because women deserve what they're getting right now. You see, women are doing everything they can to survive in this society. And that's why we've awarded them with a day This doesn't seem at all condescending to anyone, does it? I mean, it's wonderful. Yes, ladies, you get a whole 24 hours for the whole planet worth of women. 24 big hours for you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Now, you might say, wait a minute, what do women actually get out of International Women's Day? And I understand some people might be a little skeptical. They might think, wait a minute, I don't know that we should be just throwing a day at women and saying, hey, eat it up, ladies, 24 big hours, Mm mm-hmm, there for you. But that's why women need so much more. They can't just have a day. There's got to be more than that. They deserve awards, too. And luckily, Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, is here to help all you ladies out there that are worthy of awards to get an award to celebrate what you've done. Yes, Twitter laughs, groans, as Jill Biden gives Biological Male a Women of Courage Award. Uh, women of courage. Yes, you see, they tried to find 11 women who had courage, just couldn't come up with them. Couldn't come up with 11. They came up with 10. Could not come up with that 11th, so they had to go with a dude. This year's annual International Women of Courage Award ceremony at the White House honored 11 extraordinary women from around the world who are working to build a brighter future for all, um, according to a State Department press release. And that's the problem. There's only 10 extraordinary women from around the world who are working to build a brighter future for all. There's not 11 of them. They needed to do an 11th. They had to go with a dude. Let's watch that happen. In Argentina, Alba Ruada is a transgender woman who was kicked out of classrooms, barred for sitting for exams, refused job opportunities, subjected to violence, and rejected by her family. But in the face of these challenges, she worked to end violence and discrimination against the LGBTQI plus community. Yay! Clap, clap, clap. No pandering here whatsoever. 
It's all very, very meaningful. Yes, the LGBTQQIA2 plus community has been honored. And that's what's very important here. Not pandering. That was not pandering. That was not uh, symbolic of a society that's gone insane. No, no. It's a wonderful woman's award for that wonderful man because they couldn't find 11 women worthy of awards. That's right. Women, there's a bunch of billion of them, but only 10 of them that are any good. So if you didn't happen to be in that group of 10, so sorry. We found a dude to take the place of one of your awards. Congratulations, ladies, on International Women's Day. Next up for women to honor them on International Women's Day, we thought we'd tell you about a new rule in powerlifting. You see, powerlifting, always the most feminine of sports, now is changing things up just a little bit. Trans women can compete in USA powerlifting, a ruling says. Transgender women can now compete in USA powerlifting after a court ruled in favor of athlete J.C. Cooper, who filed a discrimination case against the Federation after she was banned from competing in women's events. USA powerlifting must revise its existing policy pertaining to trans women in its events by next Monday, two weeks after the initial ruling. And two weeks uh, and a little change after International Women's Day. You know, it's such a nice gift to women, women who are doing this entirely difficult work uh, of getting incredibly strong to become a powerlifter. Now they could just be crushed by the one guy who's in the competition and can do it better. Uh, Good luck. Congratulations to everybody involved. Um, Now, it's funny because a lot of times we hear, well, look, people should just be accepting and they should be able to make their own decisions. You know, we shouldn't be telling people that they can't have men in powerlifting for women. And, you know, that uh, that little libertarian streak from the left dies the second they don't get what they want, because what they get when they want to get what they want, they just say, hey, well, we're going to get the courts to force you to allow dudes into ladies powerlifting. So congratulations, ladies. Welcome to International Women's Day. Sage Steele says it was unfair. She said uh, a little bit unfair to women, uh, this whole decision on USA powerlifting. Very unfair to women, she says. And the irony of this decision being made during Women's History Month, ah, the hypocrisy continues. It really does now, doesn't it? And I, I don't know. Do we need a day inside the month? So women get the history month and then they get the uh, the day of history. What else what, do we is this? Do we have to name everything? Does every group need a different chunk of time as we go through each individual time period? Is that how this works now? I, I will tell you, I'm very Morgan Freeman on this one. I don't want a black history month. I don't want a white history month. I don't want a Jewish history month. Why don't we, I don't know, just stop calling each other all of these names. Instead, just celebrate each other as Americans. You know, I don't know if you know this, but black American history is just American history. It's all it is. Just a part of American history. We don't need to identify, oh, well, white American history must be honored for these reasons. No, it doesn't. Really, it doesn't matter what color the skin of the person who does something amazing is. We should just tell that story. And if they're terrible, we should tell that story, too. That's how history is supposed to work, not like what they've created here. But, you know, I don't want to get upset and ruin your vibes on International Women's Day post 364 days before the next International Women's Day. By the way, Canadian trans running champion sets a brand new uh, record. That's right. 
uh, dusts competition at Canadian Masters. And it's pretty interesting and pretty exciting for everyone involved because, sure, women can do things like running, but they can't do it as well as real women like uh, the Canadian Masters Indoor Championship uh, athlete Tiffany Newell. Tiffany uh, won the women's 1,500-meter run in Toronto, beating her opponent by a margin of roughly 23%. That's not normally how you, I, how you mark winning in running races, but uh, Newell finished the race in 307 seconds, leading her opponent by 72 seconds. But just the 72 seconds. Don't worry, ladies. This is going really well for you. Did I mention happy International Women's Day to you? I hope you're enjoying it. This is going so well for women across the country. What a great way to honor women by wiping all of their records and making it so they can't possibly compete in these events. Isn't this a great thing that we're all doing together? The difference between Newell and her opponent was roughly equal to the difference between Newell and 50, and the women's world record set in 2015 by the then 24-year-old Genzebi Debaba, who is my favorite of the Debaba family. I don't know if people know that. Debaba ran the time of 230 seconds, 77 seconds faster than Newell. So a 50-year-old guy competing with a 24-year-old woman, but that's how we honor women. Do you understand that? It's International Women's Day Week Month, and that's how we do it. We give all the awards to the guys who are dressing up as women so they can win the events. It's a really, really good idea. I think everybody's liking it so far. You know, we woke up this morning to another wonderful gift for International Women's Day. I think people would know what it is. Exclusive Roe versus Wade archive auctioned off now in the hands of pro-life conservative Glenn Beck. And no, Glenn does not yet identify as a woman, though he may at any time. He's very, very, very feminine in, in a lot of ways. Doesn't like sports, loves theater, loves art. I mean, you know, you could just, we could just call it as it is, but for now we won't. And it's important that everyone on the left understands what a wonderful gift this is for International Women's Day. You're right, it's time to celebrate women. And here's the thing. This is the only one of this entire group that actually is a gift to women. Let me explain. The overturning uh, Roe versus Wade prompted Hart to tell coffee. These are the people involved in the original lawsuit. You might live to be like 88, like Judge Sarah Hughes, but you need to get this stuff to the next generation, Hart said. We don't know who's going to end up acquiring it, but hopefully it will motivate some of the people to get into law or politics or whatever because it needs to be challenged. This is the archive, really the largest archive of original documents around the, the the, the genesis of the Roe versus Wade trial that eventually, of course, made abortion illegal through the Supreme Court and was recently overturned. Um, and they really wanted to get this to the next generation of pro-abortionists. Well, terrible news for you. Glenn decided to buy it. Beck indicated that Coffee and Hart got their wish by getting the collection to the next generation. However, he suggested that they have passed it on to a generation who perhaps is less focused on the so-called human right to kill and more on the human responsibility to care, love, and protect both the mother and child. And here's the thing. I can sarcastically tell you that it's a wonderful gift to the lefty women of International Women's Day that this important archive of documents is now in the hands of the person they hate most in the entire world. But in reality, this actually is a gift to women on Women's History Month 
and International Women's Day Month Eve week. The truth is that now the people with these documents can look at them and put them in the appropriate context, a context of horror, a context looking back at some of the worst things humanity has ever done to its fellow beings, and instead frame this around what, the way we should actually understand this. And here's the thing. Unlike putting men in award ceremonies that are supposed to be for women or races that are supposed to be for women or powerlifting competitions that are supposed to be for women, unlike doing that and calling it an honoring of International Women's Day, instead what this would do, if someday in the future, and we pray to God that someday this happens, that human beings come around to understanding that eliminating a bunch of people that you don't like is actually a bad idea. Maybe this archive will be uh, the, the seed to make a little bit of that happen. And over a very long period of time, maybe people will understand uh, overall in society and look back at, at this practice as, as horrific as it is, the way we look back at slavery today. An awful, awful idea that way too many people just kind of brushed off because they didn't want to think about it. Maybe someday we'll get there. And when we do, the wonderful uh, fallout of that particular uh, awakening will be millions and millions and millions of people who grow up to be women. On International Women's Day, there will be a lot more women on earth because we won't be wiping them out before they're born. That would actually be a real gift for International Women's Day. And hopefully that generation would grow up and say, you know what, we don't really want Women's Day anymore because it's kind of stupid and we don't want Women's Month. And why don't we just all kind of exist and go about our days instead of naming things after each other and acting like that's the way to reverse 100 years of oppression? Not really the way that you're supposed to do that. I will say, that's the real gift of International Women's Day. Mothers who actually give life, not mothers who take it away, mothers who give life and allow children, babies to be born. We live in a country where 63 million babies should have been born and did not wind up getting that blessing. 63 million people who should exist, but do not. Yet the people who are celebrating International Women's Day, by the way, about half of those people would be women by now, those people will tell you that's the hateful side of the argument. Education, persuasion is a really important part of this. And I will say the same thing kind of exists when you go back to the strange traditions we are all starting up these days. The strange traditions of giving men awards on International Women's Day. Truth is supposed to be the thing that we all agree on here. There has to be fundamental truth. And if we're going to avoid that, if we're going to disregard it completely, our society is going to crumble into a million disgusting and bizarre pieces. Let's all sit back and recognize that there is real truth out there. And let's all try to find it. Let's all be honest about it. Let's all look at these situations and judge them fairly and honestly, coherently, and in a sober fashion. When we do that, sky is, is bright. The future is bright. We are at the beginning of what could turn out to be an even more amazing century than we just came out of. If we don't recognize truth, God only knows what's ahead.
one of the things I love to do is uh, when I'm going around town, have some free time, you know, pop on my Raycon uh, headphones. Um, and it's great because you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to an audio book, listen to a radio show. You can listen to this podcast or the radio show I'm on earlier in the day and really enjoy it with great sound with the headphones that don't just fall out of your ear every time you, you, know, you, 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 know, you turn your head too fast or you brush your shoulder with your arm. Uh, Raycons are fantastic. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all you know, well and good. Uh, most of the time, though, it's pretty unrealistic. Um, one of the smallest changes that you could make to your routine to make things so much better is to get the sort of headphones that you really, really want. Uh, you don't have to make the, you don't have to, you know, break the bank. You don't have to make your your accounts go to zero uh, to make a big difference with a, a purchase. Uh, even the smallest thing can be part of a big change if you use something every day, like Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank, whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery uh, that will last you all night long. Uh, your, your, whatever, whatever International Women's Day party you happen to be at, Raycons got you covered, and Raycons started half the price of premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You're already getting the premium audio from your Raycons, and you're saving a fortune. You can pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash stew today. Get 15% off Raycon right now. Buyraycon.com. Save 15%. Uh, go to B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N. Buyraycon.com slash stew and save 15% today. I'm happy to welcome Adam Gillette back to the program. He is the presidency, the president of Accuracy in Media. Adam, thanks for coming back on. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I want to get into, I want to play this clip of what you were able to find here in these schools here in just a second. But let's set it up first. Uh, this, these are schools that are in a lot of them in places like Texas. These are not left wing bastions. This is not we're not going to Berkeley to find this stuff. You're going to places where it really should not be. We're talking about CRT and all sorts of dangerous teachings. Can you walk us through how, how this came about? Yeah, that's right. I've actually been in over 200 school districts in the past year, which is a lot considering I don't have children. <laughs> and me and my investigative team, we've been going undercover exploring whether or not in states where critical race theory is banned from being taught, are they still teaching it? And we're finding in state after state that they are more than happy to break the law. These laws aren't worth the paper they're printed on. And now we've even expanded it into states where it's not illegal to see exactly what's happening there. And even in red states like Ohio, in deep red rural areas, we find that these administrators are lying to parents and they are more than happy to push Marxist ideas and social justice on your children. Okay, let me give you a taste of what Adam is talking about here because it really is amazing. Uh, these are uh, undercover videos and uh, you really have to see them to believe them. Watch. We kind of dance, tap dance around calling it anything because that's, if I were to say Papel is teaching the NGSS science standards, the national next generation science standards. Okay. If I were to publish that on our website, that's when we would get a call from TEA. Really? Yeah. But are we still teaching NGSS-ish? Absolutely. So they can't really control what's happening. No, we just we just do the right thing at the end of the day. Like for critical race theory, for example, um, that has been decided that we're not allowed to teach. Yes. That. And so. How we, it, it can't be a requirement. However, I think that there are, are options. 
I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Towns that you would never think this stuff was going on. Uh, where they're saying, uh, yeah, we know what the standards are. We know we're not allowed to teach, but we get around them this way. I mean, was this shocking when you saw this footage? You know, the first dozen times I talked to an administrator in a red county and they bragged about it, it was shocking. But after a while, it's just frustrating and disappointing. We talked to a guy in Columbus, Ohio, an equity officer who's compensated roughly $200,000 a year. And this guy walked us through how he deceives parents. For example, one parent called because they didn't like that the Ibrahim X. Kendi anti-racist book was on the district website. So this equity officer says, is that your only issue? Just that it's on the website? And he says, yeah, no problem. I'll take it off the website today. Then he laughingly tells me, I did take it off the website. That book's still in our library, though. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's outrageous. Uh, it really is incredible. And, and, and if you don't know some of the towns, uh, you know, Keller and Capel, these are, these are like towns that you'd think are in the bastion of right-wing Texas in a state that has already banned this stuff from being taught. And one of the things I think you're pointing to, which I think is really important for people to understand, is even though a lot of these laws, I think, are well-intentioned, and I think that you know, stopping CRT from being taught in school is very important, and at some level, sometimes the laws can be a part of the solution, but they do not solve this problem because the people who are there, these teachers that want to teach CRT, are just finding ways around the law, living maybe to the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. Your kids are still getting hit with the same stuff, though. Is that the right way to think about this, Adam? That's exactly right, because when they banned critical race theory in Texas, for example, they started teaching the exact same content, but calling it social and emotional learning. When parents caught on to that, they started renaming that, too. When parents in one district were upset about their children being taught about privilege, the administrators there renamed it and called it belonging. They just call them different things to trick the parents. These anti-CRT laws are like gun control laws. The only people who are going to obey them are the folks you don't have to worry about anyway. <laughs> and the bad guys, well, they don't care about your laws. The only solution is school choice. Yeah, let's get into that, because I think this has been something that has more momentum than I've ever uh, seen. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, we'll see a lot of people who are working really hard to make this happen. And I think the COVID era was sort of the thing that started this, uh, where you had a situation where parents were kind of forced to look at what was going on in their schools. It was right in their living rooms. They saw what was going on. They've rejected it in, in, in really broad ways. And now there's a movement that, you know, has been around conservative thought forever, this idea of school choice. And it seemed like it was a bridge too far for so many states. All of a sudden, it really seems to have momentum. Can you give an idea of, of, of where this movement stands right now and how we move it forward? That's such a great point because, you know, I think most parents want to assume that their school district is good. They're doing the right thing. I almost feel like public education is like Congress. Congress as a whole is incredibly unpopular, but like 95 percent of incumbents get reelected because mm -hmm. everyone wants to believe that theirs is the good one. Well, it's the same thing with public education. Parents know public education is flawed, but they want to assume that their district is the good one. And only during the pandemic, when they really got an eye as to what was happening at public education, did they begin to question things. But still, they don't want to believe that their child's principal and teachers are lying to them. Well, I met with your kid's principal. I met with your kid's administrator. I did it with a hidden camera. And they are lying to you. The obstacle to school choice, believe it or not, in red states is rural Republicans, because in many of their districts, public education is the biggest employer. 
what we've got to decide, does public education exist to give people jobs or does it exist to educate children? I'd like to hope it's the latter. Mm, it really is, I mean, honestly embarrassing that there's still a lot of red states out there that haven't gone down this road, especially now that several states have. We have seen a lot of movement. Uh, Arizona was kind of the first one who moved it. We've seen some movement in West Virginia. A lot of other states are getting on this bandwagon. Wh wh which states should we be focusing on and which states have moved the ball the most successfully? Well, perhaps the most important ones right now are Ohio and Texas. Texas, as red as it is, has zero school choice because I think the Republicans in that state often just run for office by saying, well, I may not be perfect, but look at the Democrat I'm running against. And they get reelected that way. They don't have anything to show for it, unfortunately. So Texas right now is considering a major step forward for school choice, and that would be massive. Ohio is considering expanding their school choice. And we've released investigations in Ohio, in Dayton, Columbus, Cleveland, Toledo. We were in Dayton, Ohio, an Air Force town, where an administrator told us about how they have uh, started to allow trans boys in the girls' locker room. And I asked him, well, do you think, you know, 12 or 13 year old boys are using that as an excuse to get a free show? And he said, I have no doubt that's happening. Well, that's a major problem in a red state, in an Air Force town. That's what's going on. The only solution is Arizona style school choice, a backpack bill where the money follows the child. Yeah, you know, I, I, there's been so much resistance to this. And, and there is that like part of the Republican Party that that seems to still embrace this big this idea that you can kind of control uh, the schools at the centralized position and and just, you know, we'll just make sure we don't teach those things. We'll make sure we pass laws. And it does make, I think, a lot of parents feel better about it. They think, OK, well, we just passed a law banning CRT. How bad could it possibly be? Your investigations after in state after state after state are showing that this is really out of control and parents don't seem to have any awareness. Can you talk about how people can find out more uh, about your investigations and what else you found? Sure. Our website is aim.org. We have all of our latest investigations out there. And if you follow us on social, we're uploading a lot more. We have more content coming from Texas. We've got content coming from Indiana, content coming from Nebraska, more content coming from Ohio. But the big thing to remember is that these bills won't solve it. Banning CRT, banning these bad things in schools, it's a false sense of security. Similarly, I like having good school board members, but simply taking over your school board doesn't solve the problem either. When you've met with dozens of administrators who brag to you about how they break state law, you think they care who the school board is? They don't care in the slightest. And sure, when we release these things, some bad actors get fired, but they don't get replaced by, you know, a libertarian or a conservative. They're not getting replaced by you. They're getting replaced by somebody just as radical who's smart enough to keep their mouth shut. The only solution is to fund students, not systems. We need backpack bills in every state. All right. Um, so where are the states that are? You mentioned uh, Texas and Ohio. How many states have actually gone through and passed this already? Uh, the backpack bill, well, Arizona is the gold standard. What they did is what every state should do. They simply made it so that the money follows the child. If you want to take your child and send them to a private school or a charter school, you get to use your education dollars to do that. And they've done similar little things in that direction in other states. West Virginia, Iowa, Utah have made steps forward. But every state needs to embrace what Arizona has done. And if you're Texas, if you're a Florida, if you're one of these Republican supermajority states, 
you have no excuse not to be doing this. You have no excuse not to be following in the footsteps of Texas. If you're a governor of a state who wants to run for higher office, you shouldn't be one-upped by what they've done in Arizona every Republican state should be following their lead. And thank God Ducey got that done because of the fact that Hobbs is in there now, they'd have no chance at this point no. of getting that done. So thankfully it is done in Arizona. And I will say, you know, Adam, last one here in that, like, you know, I live in Texas and, you know, you mentioned there's no school choice in Texas. Well, there kind of is. It's just limited to parents who either highly prioritize it and think about this stuff all the time or have the means to send their kids to private school. That's what I do. I send my kids to private school and, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. That's not an option for so many parents. What this does is it makes it available to everyone. They talk so much about equality all the time and then take away the best schooling options for children away from these parents who might not have the means to provide some expensive education. It's really, really wrong. And I hope and I really do believe that people are finally waking up to this. That's right. Corey DeAngelis always makes the brilliant point that we just want to treat public education the way we treat food stamps. Imagine if food stamps meant you get assigned a government grocery store based on your zip code. Well, what if you don't like the food they sell there? That would be outrageous. We simply want to fund students in the same manner and allow parents to make the same educational decisions for their children that food stamp recipients get to make for their food. It already exists in one manner. Why not expand it to education? Mm, yeah, Corey's fantastic. He's done great work on this and you have as well adam adam gillette he's the uh, pre president of accuracy in media check out all their social media and watch these investigate if you don't believe this stuff watch it happen in real time on hidden camera this is actually happening and it's probably happening in your community adam thanks so much for coming on the program and all the work you're doing thank you so much for having me Yesterday, we played an absolutely inane clip of ESPN where Kendrick Perkins uh, and J.J. Reddick were arguing about racism in MVP voting. It was about the dumbest controversy you could ever imagine. Um, but basically, it boiled down to uh, Kendrick Perkins saying, well, you know, all these voters are white and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that tells you something. We know why that's happening. And then J.J. Reddick said, well, look, why are you saying that they're racist? And I didn't say that. What are you talking about? I never said anything like that. The, the insinuate the obvious and then deny that you did it sort of approach. Um, bottom line was that was, I thought, the end of it. We had, uh, of course, an update to it today, however, um, as uh, the co-host of one of the ESPN programs began the episode um, of First Take saying uh, that Perkins' comments, uh, maybe not even true, um, I want to correct something from yesterday's show. When Kendrick Perkins said 80% of NBA voters for the MVP award are white, the NBA publicly announces the voters each year. And after review, it is clear the panel is much more diverse than what was portrayed by Kendrick Perkins. And we wanted to make sure we corrected that today. So even the fundamental basis of the idiotic racist claim, it's not even true. But whatever. Um, also, Texas t uh, tech coach Mark Adams has stepped down. A 66-year-old guy stepped down from his possession, uh, position on Wednesday, days after landing in hot water with the program uh, over a shared Bible verse with a Red Raiders player that was deemed racially insensitive. 
it was he talked about how apparently how um, to try to make the players basically listen to the coaches said uh, something to the effect of, um, you know, did uh, talked about it in Ephesians, talking about how slaves serving their masters and how you have to uh, serve your masters. Uh, you know, no surprise, I guess, that people thought that was offensive. However, he said it was not at all racist. Uh, he said that he was trying to encourage the player to, quote, be more receptive to coaching. So, hey, even the Bible can get you uh, fired now. Uh, you should know that by now. So never quote anything from any books you've ever read in your entire... In fact, stop reading. Just stop reading completely and stop talking. Just stop reading and stop talking, and then everything will be fine until that's wrong, and then you'll get fired for that, too. Power up for some springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. You get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, living, uh, leaving with time and energy uh, to tackle everything on your to-do list. Uh, you can look and feel your best in time for warmer weather with calorie-smart meals with 550 calories or less. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And look, there's some of these, these you know, cook-at-home uh, packages that these companies have. They're really cool. They're like a lot of fun. And you get together with your family maybe on a Friday night and you all get together and you help prepare the food, especially if you're good at it. It's great. I will say, Factor is a little different than that. Factor is designed for people like me who are not good at it. In fact, 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options they have, and you get them, and you just can heat them up in like two minutes and 40 seconds, and they're fantastic. If you've ever cooked something at home and you're really proud of it, that's what these factor meals taste like. They're not like what you might think of when you're like, oh, I'm, I'm heating up a meal. These are incredible meals. They're home-cooked meals, except you don't have to do all the work. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Head to factormeals.com America50 and use the code America50 to get 50% off your first box. The code is America50 at factormeals.com slash America50. Factormeals.com slash America50. Get 50% off your first box. Check it out now. They're Factor Meals. So Axios has what is being reported as uh, Trump's five-part plan to attack Ron DeSantis. As we get into the primary, he knows DeSantis is going to get in. This is going to be a big battle. What are the points that Trump is going to go after DeSantis on? Now, we don't, and Trump didn't say this. He's getting it, they're getting it from Trump's aides. But it does give you a kind of a good outline as to where Trump might go when it comes to attacking Ron DeSantis. Let's go through these five. Uh, number one, I think, is one that Trump is definitely going to use. DeSantis' past support for changes to Social Security in Medicare, including votes as a U.S. congressman to raise the eligibility age for Medicare. Now, if you care about the debt, if you care about spending, you know that those programs are overwhelmingly the cause of our debt problems right now. And if you're going to take any of this seriously, you absolutely have to change those things. Trump, though, did not run on that. If you remember, even in 2016, he was the one guy on the stage saying, I'm not going to cut any of this stuff. We're, in fact, we're going to expand on it. Uh, he was consistent throughout his presidency, saying these programs are there to stay. We're not changing a word of it. If anything, we're going to expand it. Well, Ron DeSantis, you know, was kind of a Tea Party conservative when he was in uh, Congress. And that's, you know, look, not necessarily the most popular stand. Do I think it's the right stand? Sure. Of course it is. It definitely is. However, it doesn't necessarily play politically. So 
I doubt Ron DeSantis is going to stick by all of that. We'll see how close uh, this goes and if that's going to be a successful one. I think that's probably a successful attack, though. And uh, Trump can say that with some credibility. He does not care about carding any of those programs. Disloyalty to Trump. He's going to attack DeSantis on after he helped DeSantis get elected in governor in 2018. You know, eventually, obviously, DeSantis is going to say some things critical of Trump to win the primary. And he's going to hit him on that. I don't know. I mean, if you're a big Trump voter, that might bother you. But I mean, you know, these guys are going to fight. It also isn't going to bother me that much that Trump is saying bad things about DeSantis after uh, he was complimentary of him in the past. Uh, Trump wants to cast DeSantis as a lackey of former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Um, That's an interesting one, because obviously Ryan has fallen out of favor now. Ryan, Paul Ryan's kind of like Radiohead. Early Paul Ryan's great. And then it got a little weird. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, it, down the, it got to the end and I'm not, 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 that much, not that interested in it. That may be something that is actually effective because DeSantis did run in conservative uh, Republican circles back when Ryan used to kind of be somewhat conservative. But DeSantis really has maintained that where Ryan hasn't in a lot of ways. DeSantis's response to COVID is a really weird one for Trump to try to hit uh, DeSantis on. I mean, DeSantis, I think, quite clearly had a pretty good record on COVID. Uh, He did a good job there. In fact, it was Trump who was criticizing people like Brian Kemp for opening up at the beginning of this. It was Trump that Cape Fauci employed. I think Trump just realizes this is a real weak spot for him right now, and he has to attack to try to just even out the ground on that issue. DeSantis is going to be his main argument to win. And finally, uh, DeSantis uh, taking heat for muddled comments in a Fox News interview uh, about whether to maintain financial and military support for Ukraine. This is going to be a tough one for DeSantis to deal with. Trump is pretty clear. He wants out. Uh, He's basically saying this never would have happened if I was in office. And he's got some credibility on that point. DeSantis has never really had to deal, at least in in his uh, moment in the sun over the past couple of years, has not had to deal with issues like Ukraine. He's running a state. It's not really where he's been navigating those waters from a guy who probably is a little more hawkish than Donald Trump nationally uh, or naturally, excuse me, is going to be pretty challenging. So those are the five points DeSantis is going to get hit on by Trump, at least according to Axios. We'll see how that plays out. It's going to be an interesting next year and a half. Back in a second. Okay, so here's what happened. A video has gone viral, and I think it teaches us many, many important lessons about uh, today's society. And I want to share it with you. It's a gentleman who has had some frustrating parts of his relationship. Uh, He wants to make sure you understand there are certain rules, restrictions, guidelines that any woman that wants to get with him should understand. And rather than me go through and give you a long lead up, let me just let him explain it to you. You calling me a deadbeat because I tell them I was being irresponsible, yet not wearing protection. But I always tell uh, these women that I got pregnant that I do not want to be a father to these children. And I offer to pay for the abortion. Oh, good. Majority of times they'll either take the abortion or they'll take a plan B. But only these seven have kept these children. See, only these seven kept them. Right. So all the other ones got aborted. They got plan B down the toilet at some point. But there's only these seven decided to have these kids against this guy's will. All he's trying to do is be helpful and upfront. Look, we're going to have a little thing go on. If you get knocked up, I'll pay for the abortion. Don't worry about it. You know, but uh, I don't want to have anything to do with these kids. He's trying to be honest here. And I think he's teaching us something important. Let's continue. 
But the crazy thing about it is they want me to be responsible what? for some children I told what? them I did not want. Oh so for some years now, some of them been trying to get in contact with me. Access denied. Because I, <laughs> I don't really know why you're trying to get in contact with me. Right. I didn't told you I did not want them kids. So don't expect me mm -hmm. to be responsible financially, emotional, spiritually, mentally, or physically with some kids I do not want. And I don't give a there you go. I mean, I think he's laid, laid it out pretty well there. Uh, do you believe these women are trying to get in touch with him after this? He specifically told them he wanted nothing to do with these kids. And sure, he knocked him up, but he offered to pay for the abortion. And now they're going through all this trouble to actually get in touch with him. What are they doing? It's a it really is a disgrace. Um, now, <laughs> there's more to this. Let's uh, let's keep going. You're not going to force children up on me. No. Yeah, we both made the decision to lay down and have intercourse. We both was irresponsible about the decisions we made mm -hmm. that night. In my opinion, women should be more careful on who they sleep with. Right. Because you're going to be like, one of my baby mamas trying to find me so I can financially support a kid I didn't told her or them I did not want. See? Now, I think we can all agree that people should be a little more careful who they sleep with. Uh, that's a general rule that many of us, some of us, a few of us have determined is a good part of a healthy decision-making process. Maybe don't sleep with every single person you meet. I don't know. It's, just, it's an idea. I will say, um, and he put this so nicely, um, we both laid down to have intercourse. We both was responsible about the decisions we made. In my opinion, women should be more careful on who they sleep with. I mean, it's basically poetry, but he sums it up and brings us to an important conclusion, especially as we're talking about International Women's Day. He's the type of woman that I ain't even had to do nothing for. The bad minimum, but they gave me access to their body and they think I want to be a, a father to a child for one of them? Like, I don't even have no type of love for these women. How do they expect me to love these children? Before y'all say, oh, he irresponsible, he a deadbeat, he don't take accountability. Yeah, I do. I just don't give a f You ain't gonna force these children on me when I told you I ain't want them. Yeah. I can offer to a pay for abortion, but at what point can I force a woman to go get an abortion? I cannot. He can't force them. He has embraced the liberal utopia that everyone on the left wants. You see, he's not going to force his opinions on these women. If they go and they decide to be pro-choice and choose to have these children, well, guess what? He doesn't want anything to do with them. And can you blame him? You see, he's doing everything he can to make sure women's choices are respected. If they want to go and do their thing, well, that's just fine. He's not going to force that abortion on them. How do you argue with this guy if you're on the left? How do you argue with him? How do you push back and say this is incredibly irresponsible behavior? You're a bad person for the things that you're doing. Can you say that? Can you judge him in any way? He's being up front. He's saying he's going to have sex with these women. He might impregnate them. He might not. Whatever. Bottom line is, afterward, I'll offer the abortion option. Since it doesn't matter, since it's not a life, since it's just a clump of cells, why the hell would you push back on this guy and his position? 
He's telling you in advance. He's offering to pay. If you want to go and have one of those rugrats, well, he can't be held responsible. So just remember, all the things you're pushing for right now, congratulations to the left and the media. You've empowered this mindset. You've created this utopia. And you've created this gift for all of us to share on International Women's Day. We'll see you tomorrow.